Bank Stadium. Their silence is deafening. 136 Israelis are still being held hostage by Hamas. Bring them home. Here. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. And welcome to another episode of Dodgers Dugout Live on today's show. We got an Otani rumors roundup. We have some new developments in the winter of Otani, some new facts, some new factors, new teams that could be involved. We're also talking free agency. We're talking the trade market. Should the Dodgers trade for White Sox ace Dylan Sees? He could be available. And that is our Dodgers Nation tweet of the day, our Dodgers Nation poll of the show. So let us know down below, do you think the Dodgers should trade for Dylan Sees? Got the poll rocking and rolling over on Dodgers Nation Twitter. And right now, it's 63% of you said yes, the Dodgers should trade for Dylan Cease. 37% say no. We'll get into those takes in a little bit. Also, if you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to the Dodgers Nation YouTube channel. Do us a huge favor. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification bell. Hit that like button and let us know should the Dodgers trade for Dylan Cease. What are your current Otani thoughts? Also, be sure to head over to DodgersNation.com for all the latest Dodgers news and rumors. Right now, you've got Shohei Otani plans to hold secret free agent meetings. We'll get into that in a little bit. Some more stories. Dodgers owner not threatened by Giants being loaned Northern California team after Athletics move. Yeah, the Athletics going to Vegas. Mookie bets Freddie Freeman finished behind Ronald Acuna Jr. in the NL MVP voting. Shohei Otani has expressed affinity for three teams, including the Dodgers. We'll get into that. But first, let's dive into some comments here on this Friday episode of Dodgers Dugout Live. As always, you guys know I'm looking for those comments of the show. If you guys give me a fire comment, if you guys give me a fire take, you're going to see one of these you guys know i like my burns you like my roast if i get any burns i'm gonna give you one of these Finish him. anything a little sus something like this Bruh. and for a comment of the show you're gonna see one of these you win Perfect. all right let's dive into some of these comments here we got mlb king ramirez let's go dylan cease would be insane with yamamoto otani and get teoscar we are going to be insane dave s please cease on the cease rumors go bigger for burns or glass now look that could be made the case that cease is bigger than both those when you look at pure stuff and how i performed last season but we'll dive in that in a little bit victor bonios hi dmac i want corbin burns better in a trade alex Yamamoto getting posted Monday. Yes, let's go. Finally, some action. Yeah, Alex, this is just the appetizer. Not even the appetizer. We're, we just sat down at the restaurant. And they just gave us water and chips. Right? We're at the Mexican food restaurant. Just got the water and chips at this point. Nothing too crazy. Nothing really popping off as of, as of yet. But it's going to be a very exciting free agency. And like I said, buckle up. This is going to be the most eventful free agency, in my opinion, in Dodgers history under Andrew Friedman. Having him sit in this chair discussing things with him on camera, off the camera, just how he was here. I did get the impression that this Dodgers team is going to be extremely active, and it's not just going to be through free agency. It's going to be via the trade market as well. We got Cobra Commander. Can't wait to see Otani's jersey in that beautiful Dodger white. Yeah, that's the first thing that crossed my mind when Otani won his second MVP 
last yesterday began the only unanimous MVP winner, a multi-time unanimous MVP winner in Major League Baseball history, was just thinking of him win that MVP in Dodger Blue and becoming the first player in history since Frank Robinson to win the most valuable player in both leagues. Yeah, it was on my mind. Like I said, this is me when we get Otani. We got Jose. Is it logical to get smoke Tani if we know he won't be pitching in 2024? We'll dive into that in a second here. We're going to do a big Otani rumors roundup. Some more thoughts on Shohei. We got Dodgers 2080. What up, Tim Rogers? At least water and chips are free. Exactly, right? It's not even the water. It's like the ice cube in the water at this point, okay? We've got Ricky Venasco. Ricky Venasco, who, by the way, is going to be on the show next week. Hopefully, that should be pretty cool. Have him on. But yeah, we're just getting started here. Conversations are happening, though. And there is contact between teams. Their wheels are in motion. So just because you don't see things and we don't see a lot of transactions, we'll, we'll get some decisions on some non-tender candidates, hopefully today. But it's going to be very interesting to see how things play out. DMAC Jr., what up? Me dad always comes with the facts. What up, DMAC Jr.? Yelich will be a Dodge. That's from Nando390. What up, Nando? The chips and salsa. It's going to be a very spicy offseason. Nando390, DMAC brought out the nice shirt for the Friedman interview. Yeah, I did. I did. I I ironed my shirt. I brought the nice little button up out there. You know, I had to get dry. I was going to come in the Dodgers suit, maybe a little Dodgers tuxedo, but I said, I'm going to go with that Navy here. I got the president of baseball operations in the house. You got to definitely dress the part. But DMAC's number one fan is Shohei's secret meeting with you, DMAC. Get my boy in that Dodger blue uniform. DMAC, great interview with Freeman. Thanks, Doom underscore Sal. So let's dive into our first topic here. And this will really get us going for the entire weekend. This will definitely put us in a position where we're probably not going to get too many Otani rumors over the weekend. But like I said, we are going to cover the Otani sweepstakes every step of the way. And I do think there are some very interesting developments. Now, before we get into it, we have to point out that Shohei Otani became the first player in history to win two unanimous MVP awards. The feat of that alone is just so incredibly impressive. He won his second MVP after winning in 2021. And last season, it took an Aaron Judge having a mammoth year, 62 bombs, having one of the best seasons in big league history to prevent Otani from being a three-time winner. I think he should have been a triple crown. At the three-time winner, I wanted to see the Otani three-peat, but that wasn't the case. But last season, Otani hit 304, hit 44 home runs, went 10-5, and had a 3-1-4 ERA. And I find it pretty interesting. The Angels have had more generational players, more all-time players in the last 10 years than playoff wins. That makes no sense to me. That just shows you the ineptitude of Artie Moreno and that Angels organization. But even in 2023 for Otani, his year was better than his 2021 season. If you look at the year he had, the OPS plus, the ERA plus, had OPS of 1,066, a whip of 1.061. He was just a phenomenal player. He's a unicorn, and he deserved MVP. And he was on MLB Network, and he accepted his award. He still hasn't done an interview since August 9th as far as speaking to reporters, but he did appear on MLB Network, and here's what Otani had to say. <laughs> Uh, 
そうですね去年、まあ、もちろん取りたかったですけどジャッジ選手も素晴らしかったですし今年もシェイガー選手もセミエ選手もあーワールドシリーズ優勝したように素晴らしい年だったなと思うので、まあ、それに負けないぐらいの,あのシーズンにしたいなとは思ってましたけど、まあ、個人的にこうやって取れて特別なことだなと思います。Yeah, So I wanted to come back and stronger and try to win it this year. And I know my rivals, Simeon and Seeger, they had great seasons. And congrats to them for winning the World Series. I think it was awesome. But I wanted to, um, my goal was to try to come out on top. And I guess、um, this kind of pays off for all my hard work. Yeah, so、uh, as far as the rehab, it's going really great so far, going really well. I feel like it、um, feels a lot better and faster than the first time I had、um, the surgery. And, but at the same time, I can't rush. I need to take everything slow and take all the right steps. So my plan is to、um, come back strong next year. So it is Shohei Otani. By the way, how cute was that dog right there? You saw the high five. You saw that dog waving right there. I think that dog was waving to the Anaheim Angels, saying, Bye, Angels. We're gone. We're leaving. And I think what I'm going to do for my holiday card this year, I'm going to Photoshop myself in there. It's going to be me, Otani, and the dog. It's going to be a beautiful thing, but that is a $500 million dog right there. So great to see Shohei Otani win that MVP, the unicorn. And I find it very interesting, though. He has not spoken to reporters since August 9th. He has not had any communication with the media since then. If you look at his agent, Nez Bolello, typically during the GM meetings, agents will speak to the meeting. Even he hasn't spoken to the media. So they have been radio silent. They haven't tipped off what they're thinking, what they're doing, which teams they're leaning towards. And for me, I think the big indicator there is that Otani has a strong sense of where he's ultimately going to sign. That's my read on the situation. This is someone who's a very calculated player. He's been injured for quite some time. He didn't finish the season. So he has had time. To really put this plan together as to which teams he's going to ultimately sign with. Right now, the first rumor, though, we have to talk about, though, the first Otani rumor we're going to talk about is his meetings are going to be kept in secret. That's the first big challenge here. Meetings with Otani must be kept in secret or they're going to hold that against the team. So basically, Otani's team, they're keeping things close to the vest. They're not going to reveal anything from these meetings. So, if there are any leaks, they're going to know that it's from that team, from the front office, from the agents, whoever it may be. So, that's going to be the first big test. And I think that's something that helps the Dodgers because when's the last time you've seen a leak from the Dodgers that wasn't a surprise, right? Anytime the Dodgers break news, anytime the Dodgers make a trade or they sign someone, usually it just. It surprises everyone. It just shocks everyone. You just see it, and you see it on Jeff Passan's Twitter. You see the Dodgers break the news. Just look at 2021 with Max Scherzer with the Trey Turner trade. Ken Rosenthal said that Max Scherzer was going to the Padres, and then all of a sudden, it was Max Scherzer and Trey Turner going to the Dodgers. So the Dodgers, they're very good at keeping secrets. Anyone out there, 
who's saying that, oh, the Dodgers are going to sign Shohei Otani. The Dodgers are favorites to sign Shohei Otani. You heard Andrew Friedman say right here in this seat that he think that's the lazy narrative. He thinks that narrative right there, just because of the location, they're up the freeway and the Dodgers are a great franchise that, yeah, there's more to it than that. So I find that very interesting. So if you're an organization out there that isn't tight lipped, you might lose your chance on Shohei Otani. Now, the next big rumor that deals with that is the, oh, by the way, yeah, Jeff Passan also said, if visits between Otani and the team are reported public, it will be held against the team, so the circles will be tiny and tight. So that's from Jeff Pass from ESPN. So part of the reason that players and agents and teams, the reason why they leak information on free agents is to create pressure and try to get some leverage in negotiation. So typically you do see leaks, and when you do, they're strategic, whether it be John Heyman leaking things for Scott Boris, whether that be Jeff Passan or John Morosi. Anytime you see these leaks, usually – it's the agent that is giving this information to these insiders to create some type of leverage play to try to help them in negotiations. But that's not going to be the case for Shohei Otani. They don't need any more leverage. They wanted to they go out there today and get themselves a $500 million contract. So it's going to be very important for this Dodgers team. I don't care if you're at home and your kids and your friends and your wife are asking you, what's up with Shohei Otani? Is Shohei Otani going to sign with the Dodgers, this and that? You can't say anything, and I think you have to be radio silent in this one. Now, the next big rumor is that a decision could be coming sooner than expected. Don't expect a Bryce Harper, a Manny Machado, a, one of these negotiations that's going to go deep into the winter and into spring training. Passon said that some potential suitors believe Otani could make his decision in a relatively quick manner, perhaps before Major League Baseball's annual winter meetings kick off in early December. So that's going to be very interesting. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. And hopefully next Thanksgiving, we'll be thankful that we have Shohei Otani in Dodger blue because we could see a decision very quickly. And the reason for that, I think, is one, Otani is a very calculated player. He's really no BS. He's someone that probably knows where he wants to be and why prolong the inevitable. What I always say, what must be done eventually should be done immediately. And I think that Otani realizes that. I think he understands the benefits of getting in with your team, starting the process of getting your arm situation together, try find a way to get back on the mound as soon as possible. And then also you don't hold up the market. That's another big reason. I think Shohei Otani does not want to be the center of attention and have a stranglehold on the entire industry for months on end. You're not going to see Shohei Otani sit down with Jim Gray and have a, an episode of The Decision like we saw with LeBron James before he signed with the Miami Heat. He wants to get this thing figured out, find his next team, and get do whatever he needs to do in the offseason to put himself in the best position to have success next season. Because, look, the reality is, the entire industry is waiting for Shohei Otani to make his decision, and he's the biggest domino of them all. So expect a decision sooner than later. And I think what that's going to do, too, is that's going to accelerate the trade market. That's going to accelerate some of those other free agents. It's going to mean a lot for Cody Bellinger. It's going to mean a lot for... Players like Matt Chapman, Aaron Nola, Blake Snell. Because if you don't get Shohei Otani, who becomes the best free agent available? It's Cody Bellinger, right? The Giants, 
They miss on Otani. Maybe they get Bellinger, right? You look at other players available as well. They're absolutely waiting for him to make that decision because their stock is going to increase because the market will start to dry up and the next man up is going to get that opportunity to sign with the team. Now, the next big rumor here from Jeff Passan is Jeff Passan, he wrote, the Dodgers, Rangers, and Boston Red Sox are all expected to be in on the Otani sweepstakes, according to sources. And though the industry's overwhelming expectation is that he winds up with the Dodgers, the line of thinking is perhaps presumptive. So that's in line with what Andrew Friedman said on this show is that it's a lazy take. It's presumptive. Everyone is expecting him to go to the Dodgers. But my question is, what's that based on? Because the Otani camp has proven through years in years of keeping things close to the vest that they can keep a secret. So I know that there's not leaks from Nez Bolello and CAA and Shohei Otani. I know there's no leaks from Otani's camp, right? So where would those leaks be coming from? So I think that that's definitely a good point. The Dodgers are always linked to everyone. It's the common scenario we see as every single offseason, the Dodgers and ex-free agent, the Dodgers and ex-player for trades. But that's just because they have all the resources. They have the prospect capital. They have the financial means. They're a very they're a very suitable organization and they're a destination franchise. So you're going to see that each and every year. That's never going to change. Now, Passon will go on to say he added that Otani is such an anomaly. He could entice franchises that typically haven't spent on this scale to take the plunge. The Chicago Cubs, the San Francisco Giants, Toronto Blue Jays were all teams that he mentioned. So I believe that. Now, if you saw a few weeks ago, ESPN did a piece where they crunched the numbers on the value that he provides. And there's some that believe that before Shohei Otani even steps foot on the mound, before he even puts his cleats on the dirt, that he's worth $70-plus million to a franchise based on marketing opportunities, sponsorships, merchandise sales, ticket sales, everything that he generates, what he brings, it's a 70 plus million dollar value. And then you look at what he provides from a production standpoint value. He's not pitching next season, but let's say he's on the mound again and he's productive. That's a value of over 70 million as well. So he's someone that provides so much value that I could see teams like the Cubs, like the Giants, like the Toronto Blue Jays get involved. And I think it, you look at Toronto, Toronto, very international city. Japanese community is growing. That team is committed to winning. You've made upgrades to your ballpark. You look at that group right now. You got Vladdy Guerrero, Bo Bichette. Are they truly going to extend those guys? At the moment, it doesn't appear that they are. Matt Chapman's most likely gone. You lose four of your nine starters from your opening day lineup last season. So Toronto Blue Jays, if they want to give them the bag, maybe they do it. San Francisco Giants, Farhan Zaidi. He hasn't landed the big fish yet. Last year, they went after Aaron Judge, the biggest free agent available. They offered Carlos Correa tons of cash, over $300 million. And what happened? They skipped out on the medicals. Once they looked under the hood, they said pass, right? So the Giants, why wouldn't they pay more for Otani when you consider the fact that they were willing to pay so much money for Judge and Correa? And those are players that you're not necessarily going to make tons of money off of as far as the merchandise sales. I mean, look at Aaron Judge last season. Aaron Judge is an MVP playing in the biggest market, one of the best players in the game. He made $4.5 million on endorsements last season. Shohei Otani made 40. 
big difference. So I can see the Giants offering him tons of money. I've always said the Giants are the sleeper team for him. I've said that here on the show for years now. When I wake up in the middle of the night, 3 3 in the morning in a cold sweat, and I just had a nightmare. That nightmare is of him in a Giants uniform hitting dingers against the Dodgers. And then the Chicago Cubs are very interesting, and that's the next rumor. And this comes from Jesse Rogers. Jesse Rogers of ESPN. You got Otani, now the biggest free agent in the history of the sport, is deciding where he wants to play next, and the Cubs are again interested in courting him according to sources familiar with the situation. Multiple sources think the Cubs are more likely to sign Otani than bring Bellinger back in his own massive deal. So look, whether Otani becomes a Cub or not, that team has tons of holes to fill. You need to address the starting rotation. You look at first base. You look at third base. You got Morrell. You got some pieces there. But if you truly want to win next season and take full advantage of your prime, do the Cubs make the most sense to me? I would say from a winning standpoint, the answer is no. If I'm looking at a plug-and-play, you look at real estate. They call them turnkey mansions, right? Ones that already have furniture in them. They already got the nice sub-zero refrigerator. You already got all the living rooms set up, all the rugs, the TVs already mounted. It's a turnkey mansion, right? The Dodgers are turnkey. You go in there, you see Freddie Freeman. You see Mookie Betts, probably at the bowling alley in the mansion. You see starting pitchers like Walker Bueller. You got an emerging ace in Bobby Miller. Also, you have tons of prospect capital, and I would not roll out negotiations with the Dodgers, including, hey, we've got these prospects. There are these pitchers available. Corbin Burns, Dylan Cease, Mitch Keller, Tyler Glasnow. We're going to use them in trades for these guys. We're going to go after potential starters as well. Corbin Burns, Aaron Nola, some of these other guys, second-tier guys. You could bring in a Sonny Gray, possibly, an Eduardo Rodriguez, possibly. So I'm sure that that's all a part of the pitch to bring in Otani. If you're the Cubs, are you truly willing to sign Otani and make other big signings to truly make yourself a World Series contender? Because look, Otani's not old by any stretch. He just turned 29 back in July, but it's not like he's 26 or 27. And when you look at how much baseball he's played, the wear and tear, already having his second major surgery on his arm, do you have time to wait if you're Shohei? For me, the answer is no. I don't care how good deep dish pizza is in Chicago. Give me LA tacos over deep dish pizza in Chicago any day of the week. Now, the next rumor, the Toronto Blue Jays. We'll talk about that one again. Ken Rosenthal wrote, at least one rival executive views the Blue Jays as a sleeper for Shohei Otani. The exec's rationale is this. Any plans the Jays had to sign Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Bo Bichette to massive extensions might now be on hold. George Springer's six-year $150 million contract expires after 2026. The team remains in need of left-handed power. So that's just what we talked about. I'd give this one a somewhere in between a two Dodger dogs and a three Dodger dogs. I wouldn't say there's serious smoke, but I do think that Toronto is a sleeper team along with the San Francisco Giants. They're a team that has some pieces, international city committed to winning. He could be comfortable there. I will say though, if you're Shohei Otani, do you really want to play in the American league East? Tons of competition, very tough division. You play in the American league. Maybe you want to switch it up and go to the national league. And I think that's a possibility as well for him. You're looking at where the best team is. Are you looking at the team that can win now? Are you looking at a team that can give you the best chance of winning for the next five to 10 years? Are you looking to sign a shorter term deal with some opt-outs that allow you to re-enter free agency? 
after your arm is healthy to prove that you can still pitch. These are all big facts and factors. And you just look at his options. Another sleeper team that I've heard you definitely want to consider is the Boston Red Sox. The Boston Red Sox are a team that you can't ever count out. You look at the Red Sox last season, Fenway Park, Park the car at Harvard Yard, right? The monster, the green monster. Attendance was down in Boston. Believe it or not, as great as Fenway Park is, attendance has been down for the past two seasons. This is a franchise that's won multiple World Series over the last 10, 15 years. They've gone to some of these down-to-the-studs rebuilds where you're trying to be competitive. You brought back Devers. You have some pieces in Boston. But Shohei Otani, we look at the monster. When you look at, that's a very excitable possibility if I'm Shohei. I would definitely sign with the Red Sox over the Giants because, I mean, it's the Giants. But, I mean, also, here's another kicker. New Balance CEO, Joe Preston, his relationship with New Balance. That's where Shohei Otani is signed. He's their top endorser. New Balance continues to make inroads when it comes to baseball, when it comes to cleats and everything involved. So could that be a little bit of a factor? I would say maybe a tiny, tiny bit, but it does not hurt because you've also heard stories about Shohei Otani really establishing some roots here in the West Coast, establishing roots here in Southern California. That's where his agent is. That's where a lot of his inner circle lives. You know how popular Los Angeles is, but yeah, I would not discount the Boston Red Sox. Now, let me know down below in the comment section, who is your biggest threat? Which team keeps you up at night? Who is the biggest threat to the Dodgers to sign Shohei Otani? I think right now, I still believe the Giants are the biggest threat. I truly believe the Giants are a massive threat to sign Shohei. I think the Cubs are two. The Cubs are definitely two. And then the Rangers. There's also a lot of talk that he's very interested in what the Rangers have going on. They have proof of concept. They're just coming off a World Series win. But hey, if I could talk to Otani, I would say, hey, Shohei, we haven't had a repeat winner in Major League Baseball since 2000. You really think the Rangers are going to win next year? As great as Corey Seager is, will injuries creep up against him? Will they be able to rebuild that rotation? I think the Rangers are going to go out there and be very involved with a Josh Hader, a type like that. But yeah, I'm not so sure that makes the most sense in the world. But lots of teams are going to be involved. And I think the best point about all this is the fact that he brings what he brings from a branding standpoint. Like I said, his value is estimated at $76 million per year. That's the value he brings to a team, $76 million as a player. Like I said, he's a turducken of Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens minus the steroids. That's what Otani is. He's Bonds and Clemens without steroids. That's how good he is. But I will say, let's talk about some concerns. Last thing, well, actually, let me know down below. I'm going to read some comments here and let me know who is the biggest threat. Seattle is a big threat too. Gabriel, yeah, I was just going to talk about Seattle. I wonder, I think for Seattle, they were reportedly runners-up for Shohei Otani back in 2018. They're a destination franchise for Japanese players. Of course, the great Ichiro he performed so well there, became a legend, already was a legend, but then turned himself into a Hall of Fame player with Seattle. Does he want to go there? I mean, if you look at their future, I would say it's definitely better than the Angels. You do have some pieces. Imagine J-Rod. Imagine Luis Castillo. Lots of talent on that Mariners team. He has been living there or spending summers there at some point last few seasons. So he definitely likes Seattle. I mean, 
That's definitely, it's just, I don't know. Maybe you give them a steak in Starbucks or something. They could find a way to work things out. Then you got the Cubs. Like I said, I would say Giants, Cubs, Rangers, Mariners, the Mets. I mean, the Mets are interesting too. The Mets traded Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander. They need a pitcher. They need a DH. You got Stephen Cohen who has FU money. They could trade Pete Alonzo. The Cubs are interesting to me because I think the same plan for the Dodgers, the Cubs could have too. Whereas you you sign Shohei Otani and then you dip into your prospect pool to see if you can get a Pete Alonso at first base, right? To see if you can get a another player as far as a pitcher to really bolster that rotation. But coming up next here on Dodgers Dugout Live, we're going to continue to unpack these Otani rumors. We're going to talk some Dylan Cease in a little bit here. But what is the biggest concern for Shohei Otani moving forward? That's coming up next here on Dodgers Dugout Live. Back here in Dodgers Dugout Live. Thank you for making Dodgers Dugout Live your daily Dodgers podcast for all things Dodger baseball. Let's see. We got to give Otani the parking lot from DMAC Jr. We got, uh-oh, more technical difficulties. Okay, we'll figure it out. We got probably the Giants or Rangers. Then again, I just feel he'll be playing for us next season. It's gut feeling. That's Ryan Montas. For even better not mess this up, we got Alex Ichiro still works there, and he likes Seattle. I'm stressed. Yeah. How about this, though? Does Otani want to take the Ichiro franchise, because that's Ichiro's franchise, right? Does he want to overshadow him in any way? Just something to think about. Where do the Dodgers turn if they miss out on Otani? That's from Michael Nelson. We actually did an episode on that. So Michael Nielsen, apologize. That is from over on YouTube. Yeah, we talked about that. I mean, I don't think it's about where they turn if they miss out on Otani. I think you could see them being more aggressive for the pitchers that are available. Maybe you use that money for Yamamoto, who's reportedly interested on living on the West Coast. Maybe you try to get two of the top flight starters and you go out there and you get a Nola and a Yamamoto, right? It's like, do you want a Bugatti or do you want two Ferraris? So it's just something that's interesting. You look at this offense, they clearly didn't have any issues in the regular season, but you're losing J.D. Martinez. You do have Max Muncy back that you can throw at the DH spot. Then I think you could maybe consider a Matt Chapman at third base, which I don't think they will, but they're absolutely going to make some signings no matter what, even if they don't get Otani. We got, we need a pitcher that takes Walker's place in 2025. That's from Noah Ortega. Yeah, let's, we're going to dive in that in a second, but just a couple concerns about Otani are just the fear fact that he is someone that you just don't know if his arm's going to be right in 2025. That's going to be the big question because usually that second Tommy John surgery, it can have a big impact moving forward. I mean, you got the Eovaldi's, you got the tie-ons. There's some examples, but that really remains to be seen. And it just, you never know. I mean, Tommy John surgery, they're having more success than they had in the past, but you're pretty much looking at a 60 to 70% chance that he returns to the pitcher that he was. It's going to take time, the command, the feel. It's not going to happen overnight. But if you look at Tommy John surgeries last season in recent history, it's going to be very interesting because really what they say is there's issues with the scar tissue 
And if there has been prior surgery to the ulnar nerve, that makes it more demanding on the surgeon because the nerve has to be dissected free again of scar tissue, moved out of the way, and then reconstruction surgery is performed. So due to the bone spurs, the scar tissues in there, that's definitely something to consider. By the way, there's been 2,345 Tommy John surgeries in baseball history. So you look at some of the two-time guys, there's about 148. 148. Jason Isringhausen, Johnny Venters, Ben Leeper, Corey Black. I mean, there's some, those are three-timers actually. So it's definitely happened. Now let's jump to Dylan Cease. And a lot of people talking about Dylan Cease. I see some trade proposals everywhere for Dylan Cease. My microphone fell. But the big question is, should the Dodgers consider trading for Cease? I think Dylan Cease is a very interesting name that should absolutely deserve some consideration. If you're an LA fan, you look at his ability as a surefire, a someone who was second to Cy young voting in 2022. I absolutely would be on board with the Dylan C's trade. The only question is what would the Dodgers trade? Would it be too big to go Michael Bush and Diego Cartaya for a Dylan C's? I mean, you look at 2021 to get Max Scherzer at the deadline as a rental and a trade turner on a year and a half of team control, you gave up your top two prospects. You look at Diego Cartaya's current status and his stock, it has gone down. Michael Bush, he's solid. How do other teams view Michael Bush considering that when he got his opportunities at the big league level, he didn't fare too well. But the most recent rumor on Dylan Cease is from Major League Baseball's since canceled GM meetings on Wednesday, new White Sox general manager Chris Getz all but confirmed that the team is open for business by saying there are no untouchables. So no untouchables means Luis Robert. It means Dylan Cease. Could you get a package deal for Luis Robert and Dylan Cease? That to me would be mind-blowing. Luis Robert is on one of the best contracts in Major League Baseball. I'm not so sure that they would truly consider that deal. But when you look at the kind of money that he's making, right? 20 million in 2026, $20 million club option in 2027. He signed a six year, $50 million deal on an extension that included five, this fully guaranteed $50 million. So Luis Robert is a very intriguing name. Would they make him available? Could you do a massive blockbuster deal that includes a Michael Bush, a Cartaya, a Sheehan, a Pepio, go really, really big for a package deal of a Robert and a Dylan Cease? If the White Sox are truly open for business, they need a catcher. They also need a shortstop. Everyone always needs pitching. I think if you're going down to a rebuild, a down to the studs rebuild in Chicago, you just want quality players. It's something that if they would be willing to listen, it'd be tough to say no. The only issue I have, though, what up, Carney? If his lunar activity says no, we got, hey there, Carney. We got uh, Queen of Dodgers Nation, Diane Schroeder. Absolutely. DMAC underscore LA. That's from Pukini Runs. Showtime is the energy LA needs in the postseason locker room. Yeah, absolutely. DMAC Jr. Dodgers need Otani more than Otani needs Dodgers. Like that take. It's a fire take right there. Got Shohei is built different, I believe. That's a fire take right there, Alex. But yeah, so the issue I have with Dylan Cease, though, is have you seen him good enough, long enough to really gut a lot of your farm system? If it's just a Dylan Cease, one for two, two of your top prospects for Dylan Cease, that's a little more palatable. But if you want to go really big and get a Luis Robert, 
get a Moncada, which not too high on. Maybe you will. Because you look at Dylan Cease's career, he's had one elite season, and it was last year when he posted a 220 ERA, had a 350 expected FIP, a 270 expected ERA, and 11 10 strikeouts per nine. He was great. This season had a 458 ERA. The expected numbers weren't great at 407. The FIP was at 372. The expected FIP was at 408. The strikeout numbers were down. He still was durable, pitched 177 innings, but it's definitely something to factor in here. It's definitely something to think long and hard about is, is he going to be that frontline guy? Does he have this stuff? No doubt about it, but his stuff has gone down as far as how filthy it is. If you look at his fastball, his average fastball velocity, it went down by over one miles per hour. He added an inch of vertical drop to it, but it's still, it produced a minus three run value. Last year, the run value on it went from minus three this year. It was plus five. So it went from plus five down to minus three. If you look at that slider, that's his money pitch. That's his go-to pitch. He had a 26-point drop in run value from 2022. So he's definitely someone that has had one of the better sliders in the sport, one of the best elite slide pieces in the game. That went from a 26-point drop. And you saw horizontal and vertical break. That was pretty much exactly the same. The horizontal and vertical break that went unchanged. That was consistent, but a 26-point drop in run value. So it makes you wonder why it was less effective when it was essentially a similar pitch when you look at the shape of it. So there's that. One, fastball hasn't been as effective. Two, his best pitches slider went down tremendously. I mean, you saw a precipitous drop in the effectiveness of that pitch. And in three, he didn't get the same chase rate on that pitch. Hitters were laying off that slider. So the question I have about Dylan C's is has Major League Baseball adjusted to him? Have they? Because they're laying off that slider. You see Blake Snell, we talked about a lot yesterday, when he's living outside of the zone on the edge, he's able to generate that swing and miss. Hitters aren't laying off that slider, but for Dylan Cease, they are. So that's the big question I have, is is Dylan Cease truly, truly going to be an ace-level pitcher moving forward? I still think it's possible I'm still in on it. I think they absolutely have to trade for either Cease, Burns, Glasnow, or Keller. Not that high on Keller, especially considering he's under two more years of team control. But I think it's a big three. My big three starting pitcher trades, one Burns, two Cease, three Glasnow. Only issue with Glasnow is he's made of glass. That's his biggest red flag. Cease, I think when you look at upside potential and ceiling, it's incredibly high. And you also have to factor in he was playing for the Chicago White Sox, which was an absolute tire fire. And just getting out of that situation, he'll probably perform better. You add him into this Dodgers organization with Connor McGinnis and Mark Pryor. They're going to take him to the lab, and they'll be able to improve his results. Yeah, I know. I hear you out there. D-Mag, what happened with Noah Syndergaard? D-Mag, what happened with Thor? He was the thud. They didn't fix him. Yeah, because they're not miracle workers, Okay. They're not going to bat 1,000. But what they can do is if you still have the stuff, if you still have the velo, if you still have the movement, they can optimize what you had. Now, if you look at some of his stat cast metrics, Dylan sees not great, not phenomenal like we saw before. The whip percentage in the 84th percentile, the strikeout rate, 77th percentile. Walk rate, though, 25th percentile. Barrel percentage, that's good, 70th percentile. Hard hit percentage, 
32nd percentile. That's below league average. Ground ball rate, 20th percentile. Expected ERA, expected batting average, a little bit above average. Fastball velocity, 77th percentile. So it just depends on if you think that you can get him back to 2022 Dylan Cease. If you think that, then you make that move. If you think that Dylan Cease can be that guy and you want to have more than just a one-year rental that Corbin Burns could be, and you think that Walker Bueller could be gone, you're, t- you're really thinking about 2025 for this starting rotation, then Dylan Cease could be your guy. So look, there's some pros, there's some cons. At the end of the day, I need one of these three guys. Dylan Cease is behind Burns for me, but it's really 1A and 1B. So look, if they don't make a trade for one of these starting pitchers, they're going to be in trouble. But let me know down below in the comments section, what are your thoughts on a potential Dylan Cease trade? Do you like the idea? We got LA needs two bona fide aces, Cease Burns, Nola Snell. That's from Jose Osguero. Yeah, I've been saying that for months now. I've been saying that for months now. You need two frontline guys. You can't rely on the guys you currently have. We're not eating at home anymore. We're going out to eat. We're going to get something on the trade block. We're going to get something during free agency. If you watch the interview with Andrew Friedman, he said basically about as much as he could possibly say without actually saying it. My read on the situation is that they are going to be very active. And look, it's not a secret here. The Dodgers have the prospect capital to pull off a deal with the Chicago White Sox, and the White Sox are a team that has made deals with this Dodgers team in the past. Yes, they gave us Craig Crumble and Paul Canerco. I mean, there's been some deals in the past that are somewhat regrettable, but look, they have shown a willingness to deal with this franchise, so I absolutely think it's 100% going to be on the table. So that's something to consider as well. It's always more natural to deal with an AL team versus a National League team. The Brewers and Dodgers, not necessarily the best fit versus the White Sox and the Dodgers, a much better fit. But I want all your Dylan C's takes down below. Dodgers need a center fielder. That's from Eric Kwan. I still like James Albin. He grayed out as above average. Carnivorous lunar activity. Keep Miller and Emmett. Everyone else is fair game. Miller is untouchable. We're not even having the conversation. Maybe for Julio Rodriguez. I mean, like someone like crazy, crazy. Of course, obviously, that's not a possibility. But yeah, you can look. You can't touch. Bobby Miller, he's a future frontline starter. Ask Andrew Freeman, can he be a pillar of the rotation? He said yes. That, to me, resonates because if they have that belief in him, that's how they're going to start developing him to be that guy. They gave him the ball in game two. Pollock is available. Got DFA'd. Pollock is basically... Not a big league caliber player at this point of his career when you look at his numbers. Doom underscore South. We are willing to give up on Cartaya. Trade Barnes instead. The value is the same. Yeah, the the trade proposal that I saw for Dylan Cease, I think it was on Bleacher Report, was Dalton rushing and Michael Bush. Both rushing and Cartaya have been on this show, so I'm reluctant to trade away those guys, but still, they need a catcher. Dodgers have a surplus of catching. They have a surplus of starting pitching. You can't be afraid to part ways with prospects. The reality of the situation is that the majority of the prospects in your organization aren't going to be big league contributors. So you have to take advantage of the upside play and how other organizations view those prospects, right? You got to sell that stock before it plummets. And I think Michael Bush last season, the playing time that he did get where he didn't perform well, you wonder how much teams value Michael Bush. He's an older prospect. He hasn't 
been great in his limited opportunities last year with the Dodgers. He ended up hitting 167 at an OPS of 539. He ended up going 12 for 72. Like I said, it's limited, but I didn't see enough power. I didn't see that hit tool that everyone raves about when it comes to Michael Bush. He is right up there in the top 50. He kind of feels like a Chicago White Sox. They need some infield help. So I wouldn't completely rule that out. But let's check on that poll right here. And let me know down below in the comment section. If you want to drop your Dylan Cease trade proposals, I would love to see those down below. We got... So for our Dodgers Nation poll of the day, should the Dodgers trade for Dylan C's? What would your trade package look like? Oh, there we go. We got 60% say yes. They do want to see Dylan C's. 40% say no. Let's read these comments down below. He's been an average pitcher outside of 2022. I would stay away. We need top line guys, not depth pieces from Glizzy over on Twitter or the X. We got Hobo over on Twitter. Here's his trade package. The Dodgers receive Luis Robert, Dylan Cease. The White Sox receive Diego Cartaya, Andy Pajes, Gavin Stone, and Emmett Sheehan. Yeah, I mean, who says no to that one? I think the upside play there, all those guys having down years. Gavin Stone, down year. Pajes injured. Sheehan showed upside the explosive four-seam fastball. Diego Cartaya had his stock bend like it was last year. This year, maybe, just maybe, they'd consider that. But I think you got to go bigger than that. I think you got to look at some bigger names in there. Some possibly a Pepio, possibly a Josue DePaula, who has a big upside play there. We got Johnny. I'll take anyone who will help us win. Rupert says, think the ask is too high unless you're getting Robert in the package too. Shouldn't that be more than a Cartaya and Stone at most? Yeah, for sure. The Gibbs Dodger, Cartaya, Miguel Vargas, Pajes, Sheehan, or Stone for Cease and Robert. Yeah, I think you absolutely have to trade either Vargas or Bush this offseason if you get want to get one of these top guys. One catching prospect, Bush, Stone, and another mid-level pitching prospect. That's from Jeff Taylor. Dodgers fan page tweeted, Cease, Crochet, uh, White Sox, Bush, Stone, Cartaya, Ferguson, Vesia. I doubt they're going to want big league ready talent. Caleb Ferguson straight up. No need to trade, spend money. The talent is out. That's from Alan Lee. The talent is out there, but they're going to do a combination of both. They're going to spend money. They're also going to use that prospect capital, and that's how you use those assets. So currently right now, 60% of Dodgers nation says yes. They want the Dodgers to trade for Dylan C's. 40% says no, but let me know down below in the comment section. Do you want to see the Dodgers trade for Dylan C's? I would say yes. I would say it's not my number one option, but it's right behind Corbin Burns. I like the fact that he has two years of team control. It helps you in 2025 when you could possibly lose Walker Buehler, so it sets you up for the future. There's no telling if Corbin Burns would be willing to sign an extension. The fact that he's a Boris client tells you that they're most likely going to go to free agency. Most of the time, teams don't retain their free agents, so you have to factor that in as well. So if you are going to part ways with some of this prospect capital, might as well get guys that are going to help you win for a couple years. It also fit in line with the Dodgers not wanting to have a lot of these starting pitchers under contract for so many years, and you take advantage of that golden goose that is the Dodgers farm system. But let me know down below, and then we're going to give you the top 10 worst free agents in Dodgers history. Snell will be a Mariner. Nola stays in Philly. Yeah, I'm going to do my, my big special 
We were going to do it today, but we're going to move it to Monday. My big special top 50 free agents and predictions. That's coming Monday, guys. Please stay tuned for that. Snell is smell. That's from Showtime fans. That's a finish him. Finish him. We got I'm cool with that. You got to pick which one you want. Dylan Cease or Kerbin Burns. We got Adrian Gonzalez. We got IV. DMAC, what did you tell Freeman after the interview and cameras shut off? And what did he say? IV, hey, man, that's for another episode. Uh, maybe after free agency, we can talk about that kind of stuff. But Andrew Friedman, we got uh, carnivorous lunar activity. If we keep shopping in the White Sox clubhouse, we'll find Larusa still sleeping there somewhere. That's a fire tag. That's my comment of the show from Tony Larusa. Carnivorous lunar activity. Rosium hard pass on seeds. That's from Jerry over on YouTube. Dying Schroeder Otani won't come to a team without starting pitching. So you better believe Friedman will get starting pitching. Dukies. The only thing holding Otani up is where his statue is going at Dodger Stadium. That is another comment of the show. Oh, actually, you're the Dodger dog of the game. Here's a comment of the game. The comment of the show. We got Cease is just an injury away from being worthless after Michael Carrillo. We got Blake Chinless Snell is a beast in October. That's for metal. That's a burn. We got Adamas can't hit, bro. That's from Jerry. We got Jose agreed. Let's go see some more of these takes. Bush is an older prospect who has never struck gold. That's from Roy Estrada. I'd rather keep rushing. That's from Lowland. We play or trade prospects. That's from Adrian. We got trade Vargas. Get rid of Barnes. Okay, so real quick here. We're going to do the top 10 worst free agent signings in Dodgers history. If you guys haven't seen the video I dropped on this last season. I'll drop that down below in the comment section. Let me know down below. Who do you think are the worst free agent signings in Dodgers history? Some honorable mentions, and this hurts me to say, but Manny Ramirez, it was a bad signing. It was a bad signing just because Manny Ramirez was on the juice. Manny Ramirez definitely got burned after he was found that he was using PEDs. Now, Let's not forget, this is not talking about Manny Wood. This is not talking about when they made the trade in 2008 where Manny Ramirez, he was traded to the Dodgers, and in 53 games with L.A. that year, he had a 1,232 OPS, a 1,232 OPS. He had 396, had 17 bombs, 14 home runs. That was one of those you-had-to-be-there moments. Did you guys live through Manny Wood? Did you guys live through the Manny Ramirez era in Dodger Blue? Just gives me goosebumps thinking about it. That was some of the most fun times ever at Dodger Stadium. But unfortunately, L.A., they like what they saw. They gave him a two-year, $45 million deal in 2009. He was hitting 348 through the beginning of May. And then he got burned for PEDs. He had a 50-game suspension. And he came back in the postseason, actually at 308 in the NLDS against the Cardinals. And then he had 263, hit a bomb against the Phillies. But it just was never the same after that. And then he had, following season, he had 311 with eight home runs in 66 games. They ended up moving him to the White Sox. So that is an honorable mention. But then you got Juan Pierre, another honorable mention. But then how about Scott Casimir? Scott Casimir coming in at number 10. Three years, $48 million. They deferred that salary into 2021. He just did not perform well with LA. And then nine, Brandon McCarthy. He signed a four-year, $48 million deal in 2014. He had a really nice year with the New York Yankees. And then he was uh, 
Oh, he, he yeah. In 2014, and he had 2.89 ERA and 14 starts, and then with LA, I mean, he made four starts in 2015 and just nine in 2016. He had Tommy John surgery in April of 2015, and then he came back in 2017, pitched 92 and two thirds innings, but. Brandon McCarthy, he's nightmare fuel for that home run he gave up to George Springer in game two of the 2017 World Series. So he's absolutely up there. The nine, Brett Tomko, two years, 8.7 million. Tomko, a 4.73 ERA in 44 outings, 15 starts in 2006. And then he signs with the Dodgers, goes 2 and 11, had a 5.80 ERA. And then he ends up on the Padres. So, yeah, these former Giants don't tend to fare too well with L.A. Eight, a deeper cut. If you know your Dodgers history, Don Snanhouse back in 1979, he signed a five-year, $2.1 million deal with the Dodgers, had an ERA over five. And then how about Brandon League? Brandon League, three years, $22.5 million in 2012. He ranks just seventh, really, if this list goes because the AAV at seven and a half million. That's not terrible. There's no such thing as a bad one year deal, but he was awful. Then how about Daryl strawberry strawberry signs a five year, $20.25 million deal in 1990 first season. He was really good. He made the all-star team. He finished ninth in the MVP race. And then next year, he played just 43 games in 1992 and 32 in 1993. hit just 237 and hit 140 in 1993. And then he was released from the Dodgers in 1994 after he didn't show up for a game. He was a straight up no show and he was suspended for cocaine use in 1995. So Daryl Strawberry, that was an absolute bust. Then how about Darren Dryford? Five years, 55 million in 2000. And Darren Dryford, if you don't know, he was one of the top picks right there in that Alex Rodriguez draft. And unfortunately, he had the coin flip there. A-Rod thought he was going to be a Dodger. They get Darren Dryford. They fast-tracked him to the big leagues. And they end up re-signing him, though. They end up re-signing him on a five-year, $55 million deal. in a 5-1-3 ERA and 16 starts in 2001. He missed the entire 2002 season, had elbow reconstruction surgery. And the doctors determined that he had a degenerative tissue condition and a deformed femur, which absolutely destroyed his mechanics and hurt his durability. There was actually a time when he had the bubonic plague. Darren Dryford, by the way, he has the record for the Dodger that only used one hat during his career. That hat, he makes Clayton Kershaw's hat look like they're right out of the box. That hat has seen some better days. And then we're down to the nitty-gritty. The top two. Two, I'm going with... I'm going Andrew Jones. Andrew Jones, of course, if you watch the Braves growing up on TBS, he was one of the greatest center fielders in the game, defensively, offensively. The Dodgers, they ended up signing Andrew Jones, and they hoped that, okay, this is Ned Coletti, and, okay, he's going to find a way to bring that championship pedigree. They ended up signing to a two-year, $36.2 million deal, but he was awful. He was out of shape. He was definitely not taking care of himself at that stage of his career. He played in just 72 games in a Dodgers uniform. And then in 2008, he had just 158, hit three home runs, 72 games, had a 505 OPS. His OPS plus was just 35. He was terrible in LA. And the Dodgers, they released him in 2009 instead of keeping him. They just released him and paid him his money. But the Mona Lisa, 
the number one worst free agent signing in Dodgers history. This takes the cake. It looks like a pirate. Well, he stole from the Dodgers. His name is Jason Schmidt. He signed a three-year, $47 million deal with LA in 2006. When they signed him, he was coming off his age 33 season. He pitched 213 and third innings that year, made the all-star team. He had a 359 ERA, a 395 FIB. And for some reason, the Dodgers, even though they knew he had a torn rotator cuff and had chronic issues that they signed him anyway. Even knowing his medicals, Ned Kledding Company still signed him to a three-year, $47 million deal, and he made just 10 starts with the Dodgers, posting a 631 ERA in 2007 and a 560 ERA in 2009. I think he was a double agent. I think he was sent by the Giants to be a bad signing for the Dodgers. I think there was some gamesmanship in play. But Jason Schmidt, in my opinion, the worst Dodgers signing of all time. The former Giant was a giant failure in L.A. But let me know down below in the comment section, what do you have as your worst free agent signing of all time? Let's dive right into the comments here. We're doing just comments for you guys. It's a Friday fun show. Let me know down below and also read some off of Twitter. We got, yes, he's the worst from Eric Kwan. Anthony King, yo, D-Mac and Dodgers Nation. Happy Friday, my dudes and dudettes. What up, Anthony King? Darren Dryford, stick-up artist. That's from Johnny Perfect. Owen. Cole Hamels, carnivorous lunar activity. Cole Hamels, I don't even believe he exists. I think, like I said, it's the it's the Santa Claus, the Tooth Fairy, the Loch Ness Monster. Yeah, I, could, I think there's a better chance you could find a leprechaun and a big pot of gold and see Cole Hamels, but Showtime fans. Also the Dave Roberts cost the Dodgers, Danny Duffy, anyone carnivorous lunar activity. We should do an all time Dodgers. We never knew you list that could be on that list. We got Crackman, Daryl strawberry, Johnny Owen. Okay. That's a, that's a finish right there, but let's go over to Twitter and see what you guys had to say over on the X. What is the worst Dodgers signing in franchise history? We got Trevor Bauer, Juan Pierre, Daryl Strawberry, Trevor Bauer, Jason Smith, Andrew Jones, and Trevor Bauer. This person clearly thinks his name is Cody Belligerent. Cody Belligerent. That's a cool name over there. Says Trevor Bauer. The Trevor Bauer thing is a little complicated, though, because he was good when he actually pitched for the Dodgers. But like I said, as far as value, you absolutely have to consider that for as far as value lost. There's no doubt about it. But I think that one is a, a tricky situation. But I got a $10 super chat. Going right to the Otani Fund. Going to use that for some from carne asada fries after the show. We got Massimo over on YouTube. Austin Barnes, Andy Pajes, Caleb Ferguson for Grandal, Dylan Cease, Gregory Santos, and Luis Roberts, or Austin Barnes, Miguel Vargas, Grove Sheehan, and Gonzalez for Cease, Kopech, Luis Robert, and Eloy. Wow, you really went in on that. So that's definitely a comment of the game. We're going to break that one down in general. And in the future episode, we'll do more graphics for these trade proposals. But Pro Doug, Frank McCourt, yeah, Frank Frank Rupp, Jeff, what's Robin Ventura doing now? You think he'd play third base again? We could use him at third base for sure. Probably fighting Nolan Ryan somewhere. Got some more over here. Jason Schmidt or Darren Drive from Dodgers King. Jason Schmidt from Surge underscore 23. We got this is super easy. Andrew Jones from Cali Lovell. Yeah, Andrew Jones, just an absolute bust for LA. LOL Fantasy Baseball trader. Yeah, that was pretty intense. Brandon League was a bad signings. Rockies making trades. That's from Philip Gomez. Okay, so we'll have to dive into that. But thanks again, guys, for joining us here 
on another episode of Dodgers Dugout Live. If you have not yet, be sure to subscribe to the channel. We're doing more giveaways, and if you want to be included as a possible winner, you have to be subscribed. So make sure you're subscribed. Hit that like button for your Los Angeles Dodgers. Extend DMAC contract. Yeah, any super fire takes right now, the wildest thing you want to say, I'll let you guys do a little walk-off shot right here. Darren Dryford. We got to come on, bro. The very worst was Kevin Brown. It's not. Are you serious? J bro 79. I just dropped the whole reel about that. Kevin Brown was not even close to being the worst signing. I did a whole piece on that last week. How could you? Hector Oliveira needs to be mentioned too. The only thing about the, the worst about uh, the, uh, the, about that one is uh, they were able to get out of that deal. I definitely think that 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 I almost included that in honorable mentions, but yeah, absolutely. You have to include that one for sure. That was definitely an absolute headache of a signing. I think Juan Pierre, I hate using that because he was so fun. He was kind of good his last year, but Hector Oliveira, that six year, $62.5 million deal, a $28 million signing bonus, but they were able to get him excommunicated before things really went sour. I think I'll pretty much do a whole episode on that one one time, but he had a minus 0.3 war for his MLB career is suspended for 82 games for the league's domestic violence policy. He retired at 32 after a brief stint in the independent leagues for the Sugarland Skeeters. How about that for a baseball name? The Sugarland Skeeters. But that's going to do for this episode of Dodgers Dugout Live. My name is Doug McCain. You can follow me on X and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. Like I said, if you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to the channel. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button. It really helps out the channel. And just comment anything. Your thoughts on Cease, on Otani, on free agency. We've got a jam pack. We can show this for you next week, guys. And remember, nothing brings together quite like Dodger baseball. And until next time, think blue, bleed blue. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.